something called um, consecration. And so that's just going to be um, the outline that you're getting is just if you want to have any reference points for what I'm saying, if you want to dive deeper into uh, setting yourself apart for love of God. But um, there was a specific uh, time in my life where what the Lord was doing in my life, I didn't want him to stop anymore. And so, um, yeah, if you're praying, just go ahead and keep praying. And um, I didn't want him to quit it. And if, if you've ever known um, a time in your life where you went to a retreat, you went to a conference, you got blasted by the Holy Spirit or something, and then you go back home and then it's gone. And, or maybe you're with a group of people, and then when you come back, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not there. It's not sustaining itself. And so there was a point in my life where I didn't want that to happen anymore. I wanted, I wanted this fire with God, this burning lovesickness to be with me all the days of my life. And um, I want you to go ahead and turn to uh, number six. And you could, you know, bookmark this or you could um, do whatever you want with it. Number six is about um, the specific vow that people took in the Old Testament. That was the Nazarite vow. And Nazarite is what's uh, tattooed on my neck. Not that that matters, but it's, um, that's how much I believe in setting myself apart for God. Because I didn't want to grow out my hair. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, it's because it's not. It's it's in the New Testament. It's a little different once Jesus came. But um, the word Nazarite means separated. It means set apart. And so when I learned this, um, I was wondering, well, how do you keep this fire burning in your life? How do you stop it from just being a one-time event? And then how do you keep it moving? How do you cultivate the garden of your heart with God's love and fire? And so I'm going to read it to you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take a vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine, similar drink. He shall uh, drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. That's pretty intense, right? Let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you what the principles are behind this. And then verse 5, all the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled, which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy, which means none other than holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow all the days that he separates himself to the Lord. He shall not go near a dead body. He shall make himself unclean even from if, uh, if his father or mother for his brother or his sister when they die because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall, he shall be holy to the Lord. And then he goes on and says this, if anyone dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles his consecrated head, he shall then shave his head. And so what he's saying here is that there's specific things in our life that prevent us from keeping our ourselves set apart to our first love. And so he's saying it to all of the Israelites, all of the Israelites, when they follow God, they get that penny, they get that wage, right? Did you read that parable of the worker and the, uh, the manager? He called somebody days ago and said, okay, why don't you work in my field? I'll pay you. And then he said, okay, great. So he worked, 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 worked for days, hours, hot, everything. And then he gets someone right before the day of payment, 
right before. Like, I'll just pull you and say, hey, it's been, a, it's been like a month. We've been working on this house. Why don't you come and just turn in, put in that doorknob and see if it works and I'll pay you. And then he's like, okay, great. So then he comes in and he turns in and he puts the doorknob on. And then um, the guy that worked all the time said, wait, you're paying him the same amount you paid me. I worked, I worked longer than him. And he said, it's who's for you to decide what I pay somebody if it's mine. But what he's talking about there is salvation. He's talking about, yeah, you get into the kingdom. But there's not, the only thing in salvation isn't just getting out of hell. The, the salvation is the beginning of our first love being burning deeper and deeper and deeper. And so what he's saying here is that for all of the Israelites that just don't want to get paid to get in, there's a special vow. There's something that if they take this, they could set their lives apart even more for the presence of God to be upon them, for them to be anointed. And then for what we're talking about, for their first love to be constantly burning for him. And so I'm going to break down a couple of these things. The first one that he says is wine. It's pleasure. Where do we get our pleasure, right? Um, it could be many things. For men and women, it's different. For women, it could be even emotional pleasure, right? It could be talking to somebody, watching a romance flick. It could be um, sometimes gossiping and slandering, which guys do a lot too. But guys are a little bit less talkative. Well, maybe not all the time. But um, yeah, maybe not all the time. But um, with guys too, where a lot of our pleasure comes from is physical. And so we might even, that's why there's so many testimonies of immorality, right? Like even in my life, I had so many girlfriends, I don't even know their names anymore. I have girlfriends that come to me now in the Philippines, and they, they, they remember me now. Like I'm talking about a couple of months ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I remember you. And then she was all like, yeah, 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 remember? You dated my best friend, then we went out, and then we were doing all this stuff. And I was like, man, what was, like, I was like, where was that? And then she said, yeah, remember? And then she said the name, and I was like, man, I really don't remember you. And I knew that I knew her. And that's how many girlfriends I used to have. Because men and women, we have different pleasure zones that we look for. And so what he's saying here, and they sometimes cross paths, but they're, they're generally different because we're uh, men and women. But then essentially he's saying that this Nazarite, this one that is set apart, can't have any other pleasures of wine. No wine. And wine in the ancient times was okay. That wasn't bad. He's not saying don't drink alcohol anymore because that's bad. He, because they drink it. There's wine at the supper table. They drink it very frequently. But he's saying for these guys, though, they can't do that. Their pleasure and joy can't come from the wine. Their pleasure and joy will come from my kisses. They'll come from my encounter. They'll come from my revelation of how much I love them. Everything that they do, all of their voids, everything that they're struggling with, every part of their life will be completely fulfilled with the encounter of love of God, which is what we are experiencing right now. It's that encounter of God's love. When you think of going to a club or a pub or looking at pornography or a YouTube or a video or uh, listening to like Lady Gaga or whatever's out there and Kanye West, you're like, no, 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 no. I know that's entertainment. I know that that's like pleasure, but I'm going to set myself apart for God and everything that I do will be from this place of encountering his love. Everything that I do will come from this place of prayer, the word, obedience, his wine, his wine will go down smoothly in me. Like this encounter that all of us are receiving, it, 
at first it's like crazy, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's intense. And then there comes a point where it's still intense, but then it's like, it goes down smoothly. It's like, I, this is how I live. I live in the encounter of Jesus Christ. I don't get out of it. And so that's the first part where this Nazarite vow, this set apart one, they're saying everything that I do. It even says you can't have vinegar and then the seed and the skin of the grape I won't even touch. Like if there's a skin of a grape and that represents the pleasure of joy that's not the Holy Spirit, I don't even want to touch it. It doesn't even have to be sin. It's just not completely Jesus. It's not the encounter of Jesus' life in my heart. And then that's what this Nazarite, this set-apart one, is saying. I want to keep my first love my first love. I want to keep the intimate parts of my garden to only me and Jesus. I don't want people to come into my garden and my heart and start telling me what I'm supposed to love. Oh, you didn't listen to Kanye West's new album? It's a really good album. That's really good. Oh, that's great. I'm going to go with Jesus right now and encounter his love and get blasted by how much he loves me and how much I love other people. It's like, oh, really? But Kanye West is in concert right now. Like, he's, like, going to sing. Everyone knows Kanye West. He's going to come right here to Maragondon. Like, you'll never be able to see Kanye West ever in your life. He's coming to Maragondon, guys. Come on. And then you're like, please, I'm going to see Jesus. If Kanye West doesn't fix his life, he's going straight to hell. Why would I want to see someone completely demonized? I'm about to lay my eyes on the man that loves me. And when I look at his eyes, one glance of my eyes ravishes him. Kanye West said something. He said, now that they asked him, now that you have daughters, does your idea of women change? And he said, I watch porn every day. I, I still watch porn. Why would I change that? Just because I have daughters, I still watch porn. Because that's how he sees women. His wife was paid. He paid. He told his wife, you could go make millions of dollars if you be a porn star for like a day. Why would, why would we even glance at that? When there's someone that, when they, Kanye West don't care about your darkness. He's not calling you dark but lovely. Your, your eyes do not ravish Kanye West the way it does to God. I tell you that right now. Lady Gaga and Madonna, they don't care when you look at them. All they want to do is destroy your life. Every single demon there, they want to take you, ruin you, rape you, ravage you. You know the only thing when I think about my life before Jesus, the only word that I get is I was raped by the devil every single day. Every single category of my life, from my sexuality to my physical being to my emotional life to my spiritual life, everything was completely ravished by the devil, completely raped. I don't think of my old life like anything I like. I don't look at when the times I got molested, the times I was addicted to sleeping around, the times I was addicted to crack cocaine. I don't look at any of those things and go like, man, I just really, I just love when those demons rape me every day. I hate it. And then I look at Jesus when I'm struggling and I'm growing and I'm like, man, God, how am I going to handle all this stuff that you're telling me to do? And then I'm just like in myself and then I look at him as my father that I always wanted. And he says, you're not going to be alone with that. I'm going to teach you every single thing that you need to do to do what I'm calling you to do. You're never alone. And I just look at it and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy right now. Like, I feel like that. I feel like a, I feel like a kid when I'm with Jesus because he, he loves me so much. He's not 100 years old, right? Sometimes we look at people that are older and they're, they're elders, right? That's right. He's not 100 years old. He's eternal. 
He's not like, well, when I was, when I was 20, I was doing this. He's like eternal. That's who's going to guide us. And so let's go a little bit further. It says here, no razor shall touch their hair. And so what that meant was, if I have really long hair, like let's say Austin, everybody knows it, right, when he lets it down. That's because it's his devotion, right? When you put your hair down, everyone sees it. Everyone can see long hair. That's what this means. Oh, why is their hair so long? Oh, it's because they're devoted to Jesus. They're devoted to the Lord. They're like, oh, really? Like, that's cool. People talk about the Nazarites. They're like, oh, Samson, he's a Nazarite. Oh, you know, Samuel, yeah, he's, he's consecrated. He's a Nazarite. Like, those guys are Nazarites. They're really devoted to Jesus. Those are the freaks of the Israelites. Those are the lovesick warriors of God. That's how they're looked upon society. They don't care if the whole society is drinking wine and getting drunk and doing all this other stuff. They're in the presence of the chamber of God, listening to the Holy Spirit, being filled and overflowed with the Holy Spirit. And when they leave those chambers, they're anointed. You never see a man that is anointed that's not set apart. It doesn't come with it. And if you see them set apart or you see them anointed, there comes a day where they're not. Do you never keep the anointing of God without being set apart in prayer and devotion to him? The next one is um, he can't be around death. Even if his mom or his dad died, they couldn't be with him. If someone suddenly died and fell on you, you would have to start your whole consecration over again. Because sin is represented by death. When Adam and Eve were never meant to die, did you know that? We were never meant to die. We got death because of sin. That's why God said, don't eat that thing. Because once you start eating it, then you're going to know like everything that's going on. And you don't need to know all that stuff. You have an eternal being. You're, you could live forever. And then Eve was like, okay, good, great. Then she eats it. Then she says, like, here, Adam, you can take one too. And he's all like, great. Then they both eat it. Then the first thing they do is what we do. The, the first clothing line in the world was made by Adam and Eve. Right? They dressed themselves in fig, fig branches and all this stuff. Because they were ashamed. Like how many of us, when we feel like we didn't do what God was saying, they, they covered themselves in shame. And then God was like, where are you? And then he starts walking in the garden, where are you? And then you're like, over here. And then he said, it's like, why are you covered in that? Because we're naked. Who said you were naked? Who said you're ever supposed to have shame in your life? Who told you you were ever supposed to die? Who told you these lies? And then we're where we're at right now. We're in, we're in what we're dealing with as a, as a broken body, uh, being healed every day by Jesus until the fullness of our resurrection. And as we mature perfectly into his love right now. Okay, so those are the death. What I want to do is I want to dive a little bit deeper into that, of uh, the pleasures of God, the longings of God. So this is a really good um, study. I'm going to break down a couple of them. And so you can go ahead and follow it. It's in, uh, if you want to read more of it, it's here. That's why I gave it to you. I'm not going to go over all of it. I'm just going to go over some of the scriptures. Okay, so the first, the first part of our heart that wants to be, uh, there's, a, there's a pleasure zone or a longing inside of our heart. The first one is the assurance of being loved by God, which is what I feel like a lot of us are experiencing, is that, do I know that God loves me? Do I know that this person loves me? How many of you have ever felt like when you're dating somebody and then you liked I don't know, horses or something. And then this person doesn't like horses. This person likes basketball. And then you're like, I don't know if I, don't know if I tell her that I like horses if she's still going to like me. It's this assurance that God loves you and enjoys your presence. 
It's this insurance that wherever I go, someone's enjoying me. That's why people get crushes. That's why people start dating. It's because they want someone with them that will tell them all day, I like being with you. That's a longing of God. That longing is supposed to be with Jesus first. Once it's filled with Jesus, then it's already set, set and aligned with everything else. Right? Even me, when I'm married, I can't look to Claudia and help me fix my life. If I'm super stressed out, if I'm super tired, if I'm super angry, she's not the one that fixes me. That longing is from God. I go to God and I ask God, Lord, fill me up. I am so angry right now. I'm so stressed out. I'm so pressured. But Jesus, I want you to relieve me. I want you to tell me how, how much you love me. I want you to reveal to me that you're my greatest word of affirmation. You're the one that loves me, right? The five love languages, the first one you get that from is God. When you, you don't get that from a person, you don't get that from your leader, you don't get that from a staff. You get that first from your every single day. When you wake up, you get your love language met by Jesus. You get if, I mean, even right now, right? Faith, by faith, some of our love language is a physical touch. Some of us, physically, you are feeling him. Like we were getting rocked by his physical presence. And that's God. He, that's real. That's how that stuff works. Okay, let's go ahead and move a little bit forward. This is what he was saying, Proverbs 3.12, if you look at the bottom of your page. For whom the Lord he loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son whom he delights. And so that's one thing that we think about with God, too, is that, well, he's trying to correct me. He's telling me I'm doing something wrong. He's telling me that this isn't the right way. But then it says in Proverbs 3, 12, that he does that because he delights in us. He does that because there's sin in our life. There's something we don't see. And if we don't follow him, we're going we're gonna to fall into something else. The greatest consequence doesn't come from following God. The greatest negative consequence. As most of us know from our storylines, the greatest negative consequence will always be from disobeying God. It's when we look at God and he challenges us, he tells us to go somewhere and we say no. That's when you have the most negative effects in your life. That's when Adam and Eve took the fruit. That's when um, you see David, he took multiple wives. When they said, Lord, I just can't, I just can't do this right now. I'm going to disobey you and I'm going to do what I want to do. David did that. David said, I, he said, don't have many wives. David had dozens and dozens and dozens of wives. He had so many wives that immorality was so big in his life. One of his sons came in and took his daughter and raped her. And then took all of the concubines of David because immorality was so big in David's life and put the tents on top so everybody in Israel can see the concubines of David and raped all of them in front of everyone. Because the sin of immorality in David's life was so big, it was out of control now. And when you're king of a kingdom, that's bad. Because now it's not like you're stuck on porn. Now it's like all your wives, which you're not supposed to have wives. But even that sin had that consequence. All of them got raped by his son. That's how bad that got. That's the disobedience. Because God said, keep one wife. Be faithful to wife. He doesn't even like divorce. He said, because you're hardened in your heart, then, then if they cheat on you and you have immorality, then you can get a divorce. But you're not supposed to get divorce. That's not something he wants. 
And so David's supposed to be faithful to one. Oh, God, I really like a bunch of girls. I think I'm just going to get a bunch of them. And then later on, his son rapes his daughter and rapes all of his wives. Can you imagine that? King, he's 80 years old. He's like old. He's powerful now. Now you got someone raping all of his wives and it's his son. Imagine that on the headlines. Okay, that's the consequence of sin. That's why he says don't take it. And so anyways, that's the longing of insurance of being enjoyed by God. All right, let's go ahead and go to the next one. The next one that we always want to do is we want to be fascinated by something, right? That's why it's like, oh, wow, this, this movie has so many good uh, graphics. Or like, wow, that water looks so real in the movie now. Or it's like, wow, did you go to that theme park? It was so exhilarating or whatever it is. And so what he's saying is that, there, look, I'll look into it. Go to Psalm 27.4. He says that one thing that I desired, this is on uh, paragraph F, one thing that I desired all the days of my life is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And so David's obviously going through some stuff, but he's going through uh, repentance as well and all that. Um, when he's writing this, he's, he's beholding the Shekinah glory. He's looking at the manifest presence of God. And he's saying, all the days of my life, he's king. He has wives, he has power, he has army, he has all of this stuff. He's saying, all the days of my life, all I want to do is gaze upon you. I want to be fascinated by you, Jesus, all the days of my life. That everything that my eyes see, everything that I believe is fascinating, everything that I believe is beautiful, it's you, Jesus. That's how he wants to consecrate himself. And so even these uh, emotions that we're going through, a lot of them are supernatural. A lot of them are Holy Spirit coming upon us. That's him fascinating you with his love. That's him showing you how beautiful he is. That's what he wants us to fascinate ourselves with. I used to get a lot of visions of video games. A couple of years ago even, like a, like a little less than 10 years ago. Uh, God would talk to me in video games. Right? I would start hearing that, and like the video game would come on, and then it's like this like award would happen, and then I'm like trying to pick up the things and like all this stuff, and I would wake up and I'm like, whoa, that was a weird dream. And I was like, I wonder why I kept on seeing video games. And then uh, I, I just kept getting visions of video games, like the weirdest thing. And then um, I asked the Lord, why do I keep getting visions of video games? Everyone's seeing these seraphims, and I have friends that are like, they're looking at the throne room of God, and they see this three, four-faced creature that has a face like a hawk, a sheep, a lion. They got six wings, and they're getting blasted while they're praying. And then someone saw a vision of Ezekiel, where it was like a wheel inside of a wheel, and eyes inside of the eyes, and all this crazy thunder, and all this stuff. And then how come when I see a vision of you, it's a video game? And then he says, because I can't talk to you outside of video games. Your love language is video games. I can't talk to you outside of it. You don't listen to me. If it's not Final Fantasy or witchcraft and warlocks and secularism, you don't even care. And I'm all like, really? And then he's like, yeah, you don't care. What do you do right when you get done praying? I go play a video game. What do you do when you get done with work? I go play a video game. What do you do when you're about to go sleep? I go play a video game. My whole life is covered in video games and movies and anime and all of this type of stuff. And then so I was like, Lord, okay, I want to see a seraphim. So I was like, I'm not going to watch any video games. I'm not going to play any of these movies. I'm not going to watch anime. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I want you to open up my spiritual eyes to the greatness and fascination of you. And then guess what he does? I get shocked and rocked on the floor. Liberty was around there on one thing at IHOP. 
And then every single day for the next three months, six hours a day, I'm getting visions nonstop of what the Lord is gonna do all over the earth. Nonstop, I'm just sitting there, I'm seeing this movement from Asia, I'm like, not even in YWAM. I don't even know what missions is. It looks like a scarlet army, right? Ember is part of all that stuff. And then I'm just, I'm like seeing all this stuff. He's showing me revivals of nations, strategies, all these things. I take Liberty and a couple of my friends, and then we go to my basement and I have 20 foot wall of the seven seasons of God before he returns. And it's all of these strategies that God is gonna do on earth before he returns to Jesus Christ.